0: I'm Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com.
1: And I'm Shanty Allen
0: from DraftTV.com. We have an awesome show planned for you, and we are going to have a guest who really needs no introduction. Anybody who listens to this podcast routinely knows this person. He's been on with us for years. It is our small school guru, Josh Buchanan, who covers the small school prospects like nobody else. Uh, He knows more about Tarleton State than most people do about USC or Miami of Florida, so... What makes the show so special is Josh has not released any rankings yet. Uh, So for the very first time tonight, he is going to unveil his rankings and also discuss these prospects. So uh, without further ado, let's bring in our good buddy, Josh Buchanan. Josh, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Scott and Shane. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure as always. I'm glad we can finally talk about this. I know you've been holding off until your uh, responsibilities. You work with the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, uh, help scouting with them. So uh, you kind of had to keep things under wrap here until after the All-Star process. But but now you're you're free to speak about these guys. And uh, let's jump right into it. Who is your number one small school prospect for the 2014 NFL Draft? Or 2015 NFL Draft, excuse me.
2: Yeah, the number one was... uh... The Sanford safety, Jaquiski's heart, mainly because, you know, he can play both uh, free safety or strong safety. Depends on, you know, what you like in your scheme. He's a big, good-looking kid. He moves real well, runs fast, hard hitter. You know, the, but the only thing you don't see him do is he's, he you, he doesn't drop back in center field a whole, whole lot and, and kind of, you know, become that ball hawk. He he, he likes to come downhill and thump you and, uh, you know, hit people in the box and, cover the run and has great range. Um, but the one thing, which is why I have him in the third or fourth round, is that, you, you know, he's he's not known as the guy that's going to drop back and have eight or nine picks in a year. But, you um,
0: know, outstanding physical
2: skill set and has everything you look for in his safety.
0: Well, you mentioned you have a third to fourth round grade on him. Can you kind of put that into perspective? How does that compare to your top-ranked small schooler in other classes? And and maybe just expand on that beyond just the top guy, but is this a good crop of small school prospects, average, below average? Just kind of put everything into perspective for us.
2: Um, this would be an at your normal average class. This class, however, is not as good as, It it normally is. um, Two reasons for that, I think. Number one, um, real briefly, that you had several guys, uh, Terrence West and others, who declared last year that would have been in this class. I look at the draft board, and if those nine guys had stayed in school, this would be a much better. We might have, instead of 22, 23 draft picks is what I'm projecting now, we might have 28, 29, which would put us, um, you know, above the average instead of below the average. The other the other thing that I would say, too, is, you know, he third, fourth round is not quite as high as your normal number one. There is no clean, you know, home run guy this year that has every single thing you look for. There's a question on everyone. There is no Jared Deer. There's no Robert Alford. There's no, you know, anything like that. Your, your number one guy is, you know, would be your comparable from previous years would be a you know, JJ Wilcox would have would have graded high, although not by me, but based on where he went, he probably would go in the late second, early third of this draft compared to to, you know, um you know, the previous drafts, guys like that that really went in the late third. So this is uh it's not quite as good, but it's still a solid, especially in the late rounds.
0: Well, and from my conversations with you, I know you kind of wrestled with who was going to be your number one small school prospect this year, and and, and even until about a week ago, I think you were still kind of going back and forth. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what gave Tart the edge, and was it... Was he number one by a significant margin in the end? Or, you know, we're going to talk about who number two is, so save that. We'll reveal that next. But maybe just talk a little bit about what gave Tart the edge. And, and by is he number one by a significant margin? Is it a coin flip? How close is it between one to two, say, this year?
2: I mean, it's close. I mean, partly because, you know, you got a guy that's been hurt some. So a lot of what you saw, especially his junior year, was not his best. You know, he can play even better you know, um, taking that in consideration and the fact that I think he could play both free safety or strong safety kind of gives him a slight edge. Although the number two guy could probably play two positions as well. Um, He's not been hurt at all. He hasn't – I don't think he's been in a system that's held him back as much as I think with Sanford, you know, that kind of – you know, he's had other guys on his team. In the past, you know that have that have gotten NFL attention. So he's been getting looks for the last three years, and you know I just think that when when you look at what all he's done, um, they're considering the way they use him. They don't really let him loose. I mean, like I say, he doesn't drop back. Not saying he can't, but you haven't really seen you have not seen him drop back and really man center field and be that ball hockey guy that just you know picks everything off that, that's down the middle of the field. Um, and that's the sole reason his grade isn't higher. I mean, as far as physical tools, skill set, and everything, he he probably is one of the best safeties I've seen in the last five years. So it's no indictment of him. I mean, he, he will will probably be a top one hundred pick. But you know, um, you know, I mean, you know, like I say, this year there's just no second round. To me, there's no second round guy. You know, I mean, maybe he goes in the late second. That would be a reach. I think in the third is is where he he ideally fits. You know, and, and depending on the way the position goes, you know, maybe slice to the top of the fourth. Um, but um, but anyway, like I say, I think he's just a, It's close. It's it's not a, it's not a heavy margin at all.
0: Well, and we were actually hoping to have Samford Safety Jaquiski Tart on the show for a quick interview, but uh, he just couldn't swing it this week, which is understandable. It's a very busy time to to be a pro prospect, and he just got done with the Senior Bowl, and he's prepared for the scouting combine, so hopefully we'll get him on in the future. But uh, he was nice enough. He sent a a statement for us to read, and Shane, I think you have that. Uh, uh, He did send along a little message.
1: First and foremost, I would like to thank my God for every award I received, also any acknowledgments given. It's been a blessing, very humbling, and a very long journey for me these past five years of my life. To have my talent being acknowledged as one of the top players in the nation for the game I love is a dream come true. I also want to thank my coaches for the opportunity that was given to me. Special thanks to my position coach, Bill D'Otavio, Coach D, who helped mold me into the player I am today. Coming in as a freshman, I was far from the player I am now. Coach D is one of the best coaches in the game, in my opinion, and very underrated. Because of his passion and knowledge of the game that he shared with me, I feel it helped to put me in the position I am in now. Also, I want to thank my family and friends for their support and give a special shout-out to a good friend of mine, John Milhouse. John who is an incredible person and fan of the Sanford Bulldogs, who comes to every practice, whether it's raining, sleeting, or snowing, he will be there. In addition, John sent me a text before every game reminding me that I'm the best safety in the game and there's no one better. Receiving his text always gave me a boost for the game. So I really just wanted to take the time out to thank him for everything. Last, I want to thank Draft Countdown for selecting me as a top player in FCS. I'm very thankful and honored for the recognition of my talents to be one of the top players in the FCS. Blessing to you. Yours truly, Jay Tart. So that's uh, that's Jaquiski's part, uh statement. He want to say. Hopefully, as, as Scott said, we'll have him on the show in the future. But Josh, let's let's move on to the, to your number two player. I want you to to reveal who that is. So where you kind of have him rated and and what your thought process was.
0: Round uh, right on. The hey Josh, bar. go ahead. and Start over. Yeah. Sorry about that. I had you on oh, Go ahead. Start over.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Number two, running back David Johnson from Northern Iowa, 6'1", 224 pounds, fourth-round um, projection. Uh, great hands at the backfield, although I know he had that one drop, I believe, in the senior bowl. But, um, you know, just uh, just a really good all-around back. Um, you know, big kid. Some people may even say he's a little too big at 6'1", 224, but he runs well, has a long stride, um, can do a lot, could even help him in the return game. Really good receiver at the backfield. You know, one of the things that really uh, – blew him up. This year was his you know his play against Iowa where he had you know I think over 200 yards all purpose in that game at over 180 receiving yards I believe something in that category, uh, in that range but um he's number 2 like I say he's big big he's fast for size. Um he can do just about anything you want him to so
1: well, let me ask you, to you talk about the, the pass catching what David Johnson does, obviously very productive at Northern Iowa. Um, last year we saw Terrence West, you've already mentioned, come out and, and have kind of a secondary role on the Browns. How how do you view David Johnson in terms of a three-down back? If he, if he has the size, if he has the, the catching ability, is he a player that could be a future starter, three-down back in the NFL? Do you see him more as – Maybe a complimentary piece or or a backup piece. Um, but kind of talk about where you see him fitting into next level. Uh, I mean, he could be
2: a starter. I think he'd be an ideal but You get a little little lightning bug guy, a little jitterbug, and have him be a one-two combination. I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to ride him for sixteen hundred yards in the NFL. But um, you know, one of the things that he gives you, is he can. He's a very good kick returner. Uh, you know, he averaged over thirty-six yards of kick return this past year, so he's an explosive, and, and that. Aspect of it. And I think, you know, have him do some returns for you, let him be a part of a one two combination in the backfield. I mean, he could be a really, really good um, uh, role player in that regard. Or, you know, if you want to make him just your running back, he is big enough, strong enough, and has shown in his career he can take the pounding. Um, he could be your feature back. I would like to have him as a one two punch and, and have him in the return game just because he's so good in that aspect. Um, you know, a lot of people overlook that, but. You know, I mean, he's you know, he he been a four-time all-conference pick at running back, and he's run for over 1,000 yards in three of his four years. But, um, you know, this year he actually showed that he's probably an all-American caliber kick returner, and, and really nobody knew that that was the case. So, I think that's him doing that this year kind of makes me say, well, you know, let's use him in that regard. You know, a lot of these smaller return men, um, you know, I mean, I know people prefer him to be smaller, but, I mean, man, he <laughs> – if you watch him in open space, he he can make people miss just like a, a small guy can, which is why he he great so high, which is why I put him at you know the fourth round. And he may even sneak into the third. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he fell into the, or if he rose into the late third, but because um, he, he can certainly do it all.
1: I mean, so he sounds like he sounds like a pretty complete back with the return with the returning the uh, the pass catching blocking. What 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 kind of holds him back for you from from being what one of the top running backs in this class? Obviously, Devin Gray is a fourth round pick. He's going to go behind uh, a large number of bigger school running backs. Uh, what do you think holds him back? Is it back? Is it a speed issue? Is it just uh, the the competition issue? Or are team's going to be worried about that? What do you think holds holds him back right now from uh, being being graded as as one of the, the top running back prospects in this in this draft?
2: I mean, honestly, I think it would just be the fact that this is a really good running back class. I try to take that into consideration when I when I project these. So, I mean, he might be a third-round grade or a second-round grade, but maybe because the running back class this year is pretty deep that you fall a little bit. Now, like I said, I could see him going in the third or the fourth. Um, I put fourth right now. I want to see what he does at the combine first. He's... He, Tart, a couple other guys, well, I'd say four or five other guys are, you know, I'm being a little conservative. They may raise a little bit, but trying to not overshoot them. One of the things I didn't want to do this time is put a guy in the fifth round and have to drop him to the seventh or whatever Um, in terms of where they'll actually go in the draft. I kind of try to take a lot, which is why some players on my list are much lower than people will think because I think there's things holding them back. Uh, you know, I mean, he may rise. I may have him as a 2-3 or a 3. I just want to see what he does at the combine first. Um, and then, you know, kind of, you know, pro day, all that all that stuff. Just like to see him do a couple of things. But really no major issue, like I say. I mean, he is probably, when you think about it, the cleanest guy of any of the prospects. My only reason was really, well, not a lot of six-one, two 230 230-pound running backs in the NFL. That's pretty big. So, um curious to see what they do there and 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 honestly, some people are saying he could be a wide receiver uh, which I know that is that again is a little big he's it's not rare often you hear a small school guy's maybe too big, but um let's see which one is he better at He's one of three or four players who is a prime candidate for me to flip their position depending on workouts so I was kind of waiting on that as well, but no no huge glaring errors like i say he could be a starter. I'm a tough grader, too. Um, you know, you, you see guys that a lot of people are saying are, you know, like I say, I, J.J. Wilcox, I keep going, man, I had like a fifth or sixth-round grade on him. He went the third round. Um, I projected him, I think, in the third or fourth, but my actual grade on him was lower, whereas David Johnson, I have a fourth-round grade and fourth-round projection right now. But, but, you know, like I say, if he if he were to run in the four-fours, depending on what his workouts are, I mean, some people might move him to receiver, and, and you know, you might see him. You know, with the uh, you know with my post combine rankings, might come out with the third round or second to third round projection. Because um, like I said, it was very close with him and Tart. I mean, I could see someone going either way. I wouldn't fault you for saying Dave, Dave DJ's better. I wouldn't fault you for saying Tart's better. I I went this way right now. That could easily flip flop that.
0: Well, and Josh, you kind of alluded to my next question about David Johnson, and I've heard speculation, too, that maybe he could project to another position, whether it be wide receiver, maybe tight end, H-back, somewhere along those lines. Uh, And you've talked about his pass-catching ability. I guess I'm just wondering, what do you think the likelihood of that is? Do you think odds are he stays at running back, or do you think there's a really good chance he moves to another position? And if so, which one? I think it's 50-50. I mean, if I had to
2: guess, I would say running back just because he's so thick. You know, there's not many 230, 225, 230-pound 230 receivers that are 6'1". Um, that's the only reason. But, I mean, we're going to find – and that's the other thing, too. I want to see at the combine. What does he want to be? Because he's never really come out that I know of and said, hey, I'm a running back. I'm not moving or whatnot. So – depending on the feedback he gets, who knows, maybe he tries to weigh 210 or 215 at, at the combine and says, hey, I'm willing to play receiver. And if he does, he's good enough in space. I wouldn't be against it. I'm thinking running back, and I would probably lean there anyway. But part of me, you know, before I go all in and say, okay, he's high third round, I want to see which position he projects at. Because if this receiver, if he does want to be a receiver, I, I think it hurts his style. I think he's better at, in terms of where he'd go as a running back. However, the only thing that hurts that is again, this is a pretty good running back class. I mean, we've got Mike Davis out of South Carolina who I loved him coming out of high school and he might not be but a fifth round pick or fourth round pick and we all know how good he was as a freshman. Just you know, just to show you, I mean everybody knows so, when you look at this running back crop, which I think will have one or two first-round picks, which everyone has said, you know, in the past few years, well, you won't see first-round running back. We might see one. We're going to see a couple this year, and I think we're going to see a lot of running backs in the top 100. So, um, that, that was part of it, too, you know, wanting to wait and let things play out, see how they go, because if two or three running backs ahead of them fall, man up, man down. You know, so a couple guys don't do as well in testing. That
0: moves D.J. up a few slots. And the last question I have on Johnson is, is we talked about uh, Terrence West, who was probably one of the better small school running back prospects we've seen in a while. Uh, last year he was a late third-round pick. Uh, how does Johnson compare to him grade-wise? Is it close? Is, is, is West clearly the top guy in that discussion, or is it, is it close? Uh, talk a little bit about uh, just comparing their, the, the grades uh, of West and Johnson. I like
2: Johnson better, personally, because I think Johnson is, is a little – I don't want to raise flags on guys. I think Johnson's a little smarter kid, a little bit. I think Johnson's, you know, uh, I think he manages his weight a little better. Parents is a guy that I could see blowing up. It could be 15, 20 pounds heavier any given year. He, he needs to work to keep that weight. you can look at it. At, 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 Terrence's face and tell that he's got that pudginess in him. When he When he quits playing, he's probably going to be 245, 250, you know, instead of 200 pounds. Um, you know, some guys lose weight, some gain weight. He'll gain weight very easily. Um, I would If I'm betting my money, I'm betting it on DJ above him. Nothing against, because I like Terrence Wester a lot. I would bet above, on him. And like I said, the only reason, I think this runabout class is better. I think there's a few positions that are better. The overall depth of this draft is not that great. Everybody thought it was going to be It's not a stack that it. it's really not. There's, uh, I, I think I told you before, there's six quarterbacks in this draft that are worth drafting. Six, that's it. You ask teams, there are some teams that have said name the six because they have five. I'm saying they're six. So, you know, just to show you, there's some positions that are that thin, a position that averages 12 to 14 a year, and we're talking six. Or definite draft picks. Well, you know, and then you got a you know a pretty deep running back class. I just I think that you know, and I know. I mean, someone's saying, to them, "Well, maybe I'll move DJ a little higher." Maybe I will end up doing it. But I think he's better than West. I, um, I would have had West in the fourth round at this point too when he came out. I think I think I ended up. Uh, well, I think I had him in the third, but I would have you know kind of figured he might he might go in the fourth too, just because I know how. How it could be, like I said, there were some off the field things with West that kind of concerned people. That just not anything awfully bad, just stuff that you said, well, he won't ride, we won't push him up the board. Maybe we can get him to slide to us at a little value. You know, DJ, you know, like I say, depending on his workouts. I mean, <laughs> you know, if he's if he's a two three or a high three, next time I, I put a board out, don't don't be shocked. If he stays at four, don't be shocked either. Um, Because, you know, he has stayed healthy, and that's one thing that in the postseason that small school guys who tend to get hurt at any point in a postseason play, they don't get drafted usually. um, Or if they do, they get drafted very late unless they put up a really good pro day. Um, So, you know, keep track on on Johnson because he may be one that that I ultimately move in the 2-3 or the solid three.
0: All right, well, go ahead, let's move on then, and let's have you introduce your number three-ranked small school prospect for the 2015 NFL Draft and break down his game a little bit for us. And this
2: is when the gap begins, because Tartan Johnson, our potential top 100 picks. this is where the small school gap, this is where you have your, I believe that if I'm stacking the board, this is when 25, 30 picks may go by before I kick the next small school. Um, number three is Robert Myers, Tennessee State. He's got first day athleticism. He bends, you know, bends extremely well. He's got great movement skills. He's athletic. He can run. He had a very up and down senior season. You know, I don't. You know, paper scouting is the worst thing you can do. Everybody does it. These draft websites, especially, will will start ranking guys before their senior year, and they just look and see who was first team all conference the year before. And so they paper scout, and they have a guy up there, and he turns out he's not that good, and everybody thinks he is, and he ends up top. Being that good, so, you know, a lot of people get into that. So when I say this, um, it's kind of paper scouting, but but I'm doing it just to show Robert Myers this year, the coaches in his own league named him, well, I think second team all-conference. He was second team as a junior. This was a guy that I thought was going to have, you know, an unreal season. You know, I thought he was going to be a first-team All-American, first-team All-OBC, you know, third-round picks. I got him in the bottom of the fourth, top of the fifth. It's solely because of the upside and the athleticism. Um, I don't know what it was with him, but he did not have the year anyone projected. And part of it, I know he has a really good offensive line coach, so I kind of thought that he would put it all together. So I'm a little hesitant with him because I feel like maybe there's something there, and I don't know what it is because he's got a great O-line coach that has put guys in the league. He's playing on a team that has put guys in the league in that position. And he's the most talented of all of them. Kadeem Edwards of last year, all of them, more talented than every single one of them. But yet, when you watch him play, he just does not put it together consistently. He had games where he would miss a lot of blocks, look lost in space. You don't know what's going on. It makes me wonder if something mental, something off the field was going on with him this year. Because, like I said, I mean, based on the talent, he ought to be in that third round. He should be in the talk with Tartan Johnson for the number one spot.
0: Well, and not to sound like a broken record, but I think perspective is maybe important, especially for people who aren't familiar with a lot of these players just yet. Uh, last year, we had a, an interior blocker from that exact same Tennessee State program go in the fifth round, Kadeem Edwards, uh, and then even going back a couple years, we had uh, Earl Watford and Edmund Kubala went in the fourth round. The year before that, we had Geno Gradkowski in the fourth round, Um And even going back before that, we had Will Rackley in the third round the year before. So can you kind of put in perspective where Robert Myers compares to maybe recent interior offensive line prospects from the small school ranks?
2: He's more, in terms of movement skills and all that, the physical tools thing, he's more, he's better than all those guys, you know. I mean, even Rackley went in the third. I think, like I say, it's the middle with him a little bit, yeah. I mean, that's my guess because, like I say, he has good coaching. He has all the tools. I think he's athletically, physically better. Um, you know, I would, you know, if I was having to lump them all into one draft, I, you know, I, I had Rackley more in the fourth round. I thought he was overdrafted just slightly. I would have taken him in the fourth or fifth. Um, you know, if if it was me picking those guys, I would put Earl Watson number one of that whole group, but you know, in terms of over considering everything, but just athletically, physically, Myers would probably be number one. So it would probably be Watford one, Myers two, um, Edwards three, Will Rackley four, and then so on.
1: And, well, Josh, let me ask you about position for him, because it's always a question with offensive linemen. Uh, Myers a guy that played tackle and guard in his college career. You have him listed as a guard, obviously. What – what positions do you think he can play in the NFL? Do you think there's any chance that he plays tackle or maybe what's kind of the percentages on, on those chances?
2: Guard for me was just solely because of the way I thought he would fit if I'm building a team. Some people are going to say tackle because he's got almost 34-inch arms, so he could play either one, and that's the other good thing about him. Why? I mean, the way he played this year was more of a six-round pick, to be honest with you. That you saying that, that's partly why he even – got a I gave him a bump because uh, he can do that he can play guard or tackle, so I think he's athletic enough to play I, I just you're more in space as a tackle. you have to think a little more, and he wasn't very good in space, especially out there pulling. I kind of think he needs to be in the phone booth a little bit more but but as far as the tools, i mean yeah he's got he he's got the arm length he he could kick out the tackle just as easy as he could play guard in, in that regard.
1: All right, Josh, why don't you unveil your number four player, give us a little scouting report of him.
2: Yeah, number four, Desmond Lewis, Central Arkansas. Now, I'll tell you, he had pretty good hands at the senior ball, but I'm never forget the first tape I watched of him this year. He actually dropped the wide open, what would have been a touchdown pass, which made me say, oh, man, because I was kind of hearing all this buzz on him, and I said, man, it, it, the hands aren't that good. But you watch him, he had some freakish moments to him. I don't think Central Arkansas used him correctly. I always tell people that. If he'd have been at Eastern Washington or New Hampshire, he'd have had 1,500 yards this year. Just big, physical guy. He's strong. Uh, he, he's got, you know, um, almost 10-inch hands, so he's got fairly big hand. Um, you know, he, he's got good length to him. He's 32-and-3-quarter-inch arms. Um, you know, he's going to run probably in the 4.5s. I think he got faster this year. I thought he looked more like a four six guy last year. But, you know, big physical target, um, good red zone threat, makes a lot of plays out in the red zone and, um, you know, in the end zone and, and has big playability. So, you know, he's a guy, too, that you look at him, I don't think Central Arkansas has necessarily, you know, th- you know fed him the ball like they should have. And he's a guy that was, you know, and, and again, I'm kind of paper scouting here, but but, but the way he was all-conference kind of showed the way he was in his career. Honor, you know, sophomore is honorable mention. he You know, you started to see flashes, but not all there. His junior year, just saw a little bit more. He got second team in his past year. He was first team. He's the best receiver in the Southland, and all that. So I think, you know, he's been a guy that's had steady improvement his whole career. And, and, um, you know, he's got, he's got very good physical tools. It's hard to find many receivers that have the height, weight, speed and the movement skills that he
1: does. I think with these these smaller school-wide receivers, the question is always what's that development curve going to be? Uh, we saw a player uh, like Brian Quick a couple years ago go very high, go in a high second round, and have a little bit of, of a developmental curve and this year, really come on. Can you talk about that with, with Desmond Lewis? Uh, where where do you kind of project him, and what do you think that curve is in the NFL? Is it going to take him a one year, two years? Is he an immediate contributor, or is he a player that you think is going to – Kind of have that niche in the red zone and have uh, maybe a place on a team, but never able to develop into a starter. Um,
2: I think he could develop into a starter. I think I ideally you would like him to be your number three or number four guy, to you know, maybe number four guy as a rookie. Um, but you know, because he's a little inconsistent at times. But I mean, I definitely think he's a guy that you could, uh, you know, you could, uh, you know making to at least a number two or number three, you know. Um, he's more of a possession guy than, I mean, he's not going to make a ton of people miss in space. But tell you what, for possession, you know, as a possession threat, I mean, you know, you throw the ball, you throw a jump ball to him in the end zone, he can go get it, you know. Um, and, and, you know, the one thing with him is, you know, like I said before, he's had a lot of games where he's been really good. But he's had games where he, they, and I'm not saying he played a bad game, they just didn't get him the ball a lot. So, um, you know, I think he's one of those guys that is more of a possession guy, more of a number three receiver ideally. Um, But he's got the physical tools. I mean, if he developed into a starter, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me. But I I think ideally you look at him and say, okay, he's a number three or a number four and and could be that for a while. I mean, I could see him playing six to eight years in the league um, depending on, you know, uh, the way he takes coaching and, and how his rookie year goes.
1: And then you mentioned speed that he improved this year. What's what's kind of your projection maybe for his forty time? Or is he a player that you think is going to play faster than maybe what he runs at the combine? Uh, especially with the receiver this big, I think that's always a big question mark too.
2: Yeah, I think he's going to run in the four fives. I thought he was a low four six guy last year, but I thought he looked a little bit faster. So, um, you know, I, uh, I his junior year. I, I was not as impressed. I gave a priority free agent projection to him, um, moved him into the 6-7 after a couple games this year, and then just as time went on, ended up moving him into the, the fifth-round range. But um, I think he's probably more of a fifth 6 or a 5, just depending on the team you talk to. But definitely, definitely a guy that I think has gotten... He's got enough speed. He's not freakishly fast, I don't think. But now I will say this: he doesn't move extremely fast. But he's got a long stride to him, so that's why I kind of think he's going to run. He looks more like a high four or five guy, but he's probably going to run like a low four or five just because he covers a lot of ground extremely fast.
0: All right, let's move on to your number five small school prospect for the 2015 NFL Draft. Go ahead and introduce us.
2: And this is where it starts to get kind of murky, but but I'm going to go with, with Nick Boyle here, the tight end at Delaware, partly because no off the field concerns with him, because this is from this point below is when the either talent significantly starts to drop or there's issues with the player that has dropped him further than he should be. Um, and Boyle, I have next, 6'5, 6'4.5, 6'5, 267. Probably I'm going to run in the high 4.7s. Mid to high four sevens, maybe even run a four eight zero oh, because he's not extremely fast. But I tell you what, he's big, he's strong, he's more athletic than people think. He's got fairly good hands. He's in a he's a devastating blocker. If you watch the Delaware State tape, um, you know. In fact, that that in fact, uh, Shane, I, I know I've seen you during the fall up at Pittsburgh. I I was that was right before I went into Delaware. So I watched the Delaware Delaware State game. Um, when I was in there, and you just watch him—I mean, the way he blocks people—I mean, it is it, that game alone. He probably had eight knockdown blocks, you know, just just demolishing people. And you would see it a lot in, in a lot of their games. James Madison, whatever—you'd always see him finishing blocks. That was that was the big thing. They used him in the slot, used him on the line. Um, you know, I mean, they would detach him and kick him out in the slot, and either throw to him or just have him be a blocker on a screen because um, he was so good at it. But when you look at this guy up close, he just looks like an NFL tight end. I mean, you, you can see that right when you walk by him. That's the first thing you notice. is like, wow, this guy looks like he's already in the NFL. So um, I think with him, you get everything. He's just not extremely fast. Um, you, he doesn't have outstanding size. I mean, six four and a half. I mean, it's just, you know, he, you know but... And his length is not outstanding either. It's good, but it's not great, great. It's good. He's got big hands, you know, got a good wingspan and all that. But I just think with him, you're looking at more of a blocker and a role player as a pass catcher. I think you're looking at a number two tight end instead of a, you know, big-time number one starter. Um, I don't think he develops into a starter, but I think he could probably play eight years as a – eight, nine years as a backup in the NFL and be a really good one too. So –
0: Well, and you and I have had more than one discussion about Boyle over the past few months, and I know you've been high on him for a while. And he had a really good showing at the Senior Bowl to the point where there's speculation that maybe he sneaks into the back end of day two, even maybe in the back end of the third round. And even though I, I underestimated him a little bit, I still have the same concern, and you kind of touched on it, but. I just don't know that I see a special quality there. He's a very good all-around player, maybe the best all-around player in this draft at that position when it comes to catching the ball in that short-to-intermediate range, to blocking, uh, intangibles, Uh, it, it all checks. I just don't know if I see the upside there that I would want to invest a premium, and by premium, I mean top three-round draft pick on him. I guess I kind of feel the same way as I did about Crockett Gilmore in last year's draft, who who wound up getting pushed up into the, the back end of that top 100. Uh, a very good player. I just don't know if I want to draft a guy who I project as more of a backup in the top 100. So can you talk a little bit about his upside or maybe a lack thereof, and, and, and coming off the Senior Bowl, how high do you think he could go? Do you think top 100 is a realistic possibility now?
2: I mean, I think he could, probably because he can long snap, too. I wouldn't, uh, you know, it's funny, you hear people talk, uh, a lot of the buzz from these All-Star games, everybody assumes because you're in the Senior Bowl that you're a top 100 pick. That's not the case. I mean, you know, uh, you know how many small schoolers that stood out at the Senior Bowl that went to the Combine and didn't even get drafted. Um, You know how many guys that go to the Combine and the Senior Bowl, they they don't get drafted and they're at the league in two years? I mean, you know, I'm not saying that's him. I'm just saying it's funny because you hear all the hype. You know, everybody says, you know, I'm going to tell you right now. Let me tell you something about what the Senior Bowl was this year. Why do you think there were redshirt juniors in the senior bowl? You know why? Still Savage knows the same thing that I said. This draft is not very deep. So if you're taking him in the third, man, that's that's kind of, I mean, no offense because I love Nick and I think you take him in the fourth or fifth or five, but if you're taking this guy in the third round, you're telling me he's a starting tight end. And and I'm I think he's a number two for the next seven, eight years. But I think he plays for 12 or 14 years in the NFL, at least because he can long snap. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, and, and that was a disservice they did to him at the senior bowl. They should have let him long snap. He's probably one of the top three long snappers in this entire draft, and nobody has seen it. And you say, well, Josh, how do you know that? Because I went into the school and saw him do it. <laughs> you know, he does it. He's really good at it. He does it. I went to a game. You know, he was doing it in warmups, and he's got a great snap. I mean, he really does. He can short – he can field goal snap. He can punt snap. I mean, he got good velocity on the ball. He's accurate with it. You know, I I probably should have named him as an All-American as a long snapper. The only reason I didn't was because he didn't really do it in games. They didn't have him do it in games. He's doing it in warm-ups, you know. Um, but he was better than the guys that I named All-Americans. So, that's something to look for there. If someone does take him that high, I think they have that same thought process because – Nick doesn't have elite speed. He's not Julius Thomas. And and if you're going to take a tight end in the third round like they took, I think, when Julius went in the fourth round, then take him in the third round, you're telling me that you think he's going to be a, a pro bowl pass-catching tight end. And I, he might be a pro bowler as a block, blocking tight end one day, but I think he's going to be – probably one of the better blocking tight ends in the league and more of a role pass catcher than than anything. Um, he's just so good as a blocker, and, and teams are not – teams don't push those types of guys up the board. So, you know, like I say, there was a lot of Richard Juniors. I mean, Phil held quarterback spots because he was – again, quarterbacks so bad, he held quarterback spots because he was begging Mariota and Hunley to play because he needed a good quarterbacks. So, you know, I mean, I think some of this, too, is not – and people need to remember this. I'm putting where these guys are more value. If they go higher than that, that that's more of a – that's because the depth of the draft is not that great. I mean, you know, I you know, I mean, if, if you're taking Nick in the third round, that's a little bit for a guy that you see as more of a, a you know, as a, as a blocker. And like I say, it's no offense against him because I think not will play for a long time in the NFL. I'm a big fan of his. I mean, I, I really – I think he's got top – probably the fifth or sixth best tight end in this entire draft but you know that just shows you I mean that's a little rich for a guy that you're viewing as a long snapper and a blocker and a number two tight end I mean you have to think he's a number one if you're taking him in the top 80 90 picks and to me I just look at Julius Thomas and like how can you take a guy higher than Julius went when you know he's not going to be Julius you know so that that was that's kind of the hard thing too is is it really fair I, I don't want to put those expectations on them I think people put such high expectations on these guys and they don't live up to it you know I would rather take Nick in the fifth and him and, and know he is what he is and reach on him and and um you know I, I think some of these small school guys have really had a disservice the last years I think some teams have fallen in love with one or two things and overdraft them it's hurt some kids and and I think that would hurt Nick because I think Nick needs, you know, he needs a little time. Like I say, he's a great player, and if he was faster, if he was like a tenth of a second faster, I would say heck yeah, he, you know. But I feel like you've got to be that outstanding pass catcher too to go that high, and, and he's not. You know, he had what two or three drops in the senior bowl, um, so you know, he's not used to being the feature tight end in that regard. And I think I think he need he, if he is going to be that, he's going to need time to develop. And, I'm not taking a developmental starter in the first three rounds. You have to be able to come in and play right now, and I think for him he's
1: a number two right now. Well, Josh, why don't you reveal your number six player on your board?
2: Yeah, uh, number six, Lyndon Trails, the DN at Norfolk State. He is a defensive end or a tight end. He's not a linebacker. He, people have been trying him there. He played that a good bit at, at Norfolk State, but he's a true defensive end. He's got the length, the wingspan, the size, all that that you're looking for. Um, I think, you know, he's a little stiff to be dropping back into coverage or playing in space, but he's really good with his hand in the dirt. He got fairly good quickness off the ball. Don't overrank what he did in the senior bowl because he did a lot of his damage against uh, causal the tackle at Mississippi State that was a late ad. Causal's not very good. He won't get drafted. Um but, but Trail is a really good player, he's athletic enough. I think you could stand him up in situation. I don't want him dropping back into coverage regularly. I think he's a, a, a potential starter as a defensive end. Uh, but but I also think people got to figure out where he's going to play and leave him there because some people want to play him at tight end, some at defensive end. To me, they need to pick the one position and put him there because he's never really played one position for three straight years. He moved around all the time at Norfolk. They moved him around a lot at the Senior Bowl. So, you know, for a guy that's been a three-time, you know, a, you know, all conference player, two time All American, all that, or, you know, at Norfolk, you know, he he's never really had, you know, played one true position for a long period of time, and I, I think that's kind of hurt him. I think he would be a little higher on the board if he if he did play one position, um, you know, full time, because I think he could be a really good, really solid starter at least at defensive end. But he's still a developmental guy, a guy that you look at and say, well, he's a backup to start with. You want to develop him into a starter. And, again, that's why he's in the fifth round, not the third, because I think if he you know, had had a little more development at defensive end, he probably would be a 3-4 or at least a 4 on the board instead of a fifth-round guy.
1: Well, well, Josh, let me ask you a couple questions with um... – with with Lyndon Trail, you talk about the position, Can, and I know you have a, a complete idea, but you kind of give us an idea of maybe percentage-wise what, uh, what amount of teams are looking at him as tight end versus the defensive end, and then if, if it's the end – what, what type of defense do you think he fits the best? Because I think a lot of people out there are saying, oh, he played linebacker. Norfolk State, he's going to play linebacker in the NFL. As you said, he's got to play defensive end. What, what type of defense do you think would fit him the best and maybe give him the best chance of success?
2: I think defense. I think he could be a 3-4 end if he gained weight. I don't think he's strong enough and thick enough to be a 3-4 end right now. That's why I say he's a 4-3 end, but he does have the length and the height. He could grow into a 3-4 end, um, you know, probably because he, he could drop back a little bit, you know. So, um, I think situationally he could. I don't want him doing that every play. He's not a linebacker every down. But, you know, I think he could be a 3-4 or 4-3 end just depending on what you want to grow him into. If you leave him at the size he is now, he's a four three in if you if you have the you know if you if you want to bring him in and, and gain and put twenty five pounds or twenty pounds on him and have him be a three four in i
1: mean you know he's a
2: developmental guy you know um so uh i think that the, the talent is there as a defensive end to to be a really good one and and that I want to see what he runs at the combine. I want to see him in his testing because I think he's going to be a little too stiff to play linebacker, but I think he'll be a really good defensive end. Um, and I think he could be a situational tight end, too. I think he that's one value he brings that you could do that. I wouldn't want to have him practicing with the tight ends a lot, but you could have some true plays. You could have some special teams plays where you certainly have them line up at tight end and go out for a route because he's got great length, he's athletic, and he can catch. So, Um, I just I think he's best coming after the quarterback. He's a really good pass rusher, um, and and I think you know with his skill set and his physical tools, he's he's really hard to handle off the edge.
0: Well, and and Lyndon Trail is of course a transfer from Florida, so a a Division one talent. Um, And Josh, do you think it would be fair to say that, considering because I mean this guy really looks the part? Do you think it would be fair to say that talent and upside wise? he has as much as any small school prospect in this draft? And, and if so, what's the aspect of his game? What's holding him back from maybe being the top small school prospect? Because, like I said, he definitely looks the part. He plays a premium position. Um, why isn't Linden Trail maybe one, two, or three? What's the missing component?
2: I think just past concerns off the field the fact that he's played so many different positions and he really isn't great at one thing yet, you know. Um, I think because he's been asked to do a lot because he was a freak athlete, at Nor- a freak athlete at North State. Like I said, I mean, he, you know, after the combine, based on workouts, wouldn't surprise me 2-3 three, or a 3, David Johnson's a 3, Robert Myers is a solid 4, wouldn't surprise me if Boyle is a 4-5 instead of a 5, wouldn't surprise me if Lyndon Trails a 3-4 instead of a 5, you know, a lot of these guys, I think, you know, some of the questions I have on them, they'll answer in Indy. But I think with him, I think he's, his his hip his hips are going to be exposed in Indy. I think he's going to be tight. Um, and I think when you're that tall, that long, it is hard to have that length. I mean, you don't see many six six and a half guys dropping back into covers like that. I mean, if he had that ability to just be smooth and fluid and do all that, oh man, I'd have him in the late first round right now. So, um, you know, I, I think partly it's just uh, past the, his past from coming out of you when know, we transferred from Florida and all that, I think some of that is is the big thing keeping him back. Um, like I say, he's not far off. I mean, with him, Lewis and Boyle, to me, it's whatever order. I don't think there's, I don't think one is definitely better than the other. I think that you could go in any route. I think you could you could flip them, you could flip flop them. I went this way to start, and I may end up flip flopping them. You never know, but. I, yeah, you know, and then like I say, and this is the other one. The the one, two, and then there was a gap, and then Myers, Lewis, Boyle trail, then there's a gap after that for me. So I think I think this is where you get I think other than Boyle, I think all the guys I've just named could potentially be starters in the NFL. I think this is the last one where I look at it and say, Okay, this guy could be a definite starter, not a role player, but an every down guy. Um, you know, and depending on, and like I said, the reason Boyle, he'd be three or four slots lower if he wasn't a long snapper too. I, I gave him a bump for the long snapper, um, but short trail to me is the last at these six. This this is where your your potential starters come into play,
0: and he's one of those.
2: I think he could be. I mean, he really could. He's got as a pass rusher, he's got it. But you got to remember one other thing too. MIAC players are usually very raw. For whatever reason, those guys are not very finished. They're not finished products. So this is a guy that's got a lot of upside. I mean, someone someone may have him in the third round. Um, I just, again, gave him that slight, slight drop because of, you know, of the the concerns from coming from Florida. Anytime you transfer from a big school, there's reasons for that, and I don't want to get into those for him, but there's reasons for that. And he was great at Norfolk State, gave them no issues at all, so I don't want to make anything bad, you know, say anything bad about him, but I'm just saying anytime, anytime I've learned over the years, when you get a small school guy and everybody says he's a third-rounder, if there's anything, medical character, any concerns, you always bump him down a round or two, and that's what I did with Trail.
0: Well, and the last thing quickly on Trail, you and I have both been comparing him for a while to Larry Webster, who was one of the top small school prospects last year, wound up being a fourth round pick at the Lions out of Bloomsburg. And I mean, right down to you get in the reps at tight end during the pre draft process. I mean, very, very similar. Uh, can you maybe just quickly compare, contrast uh, Trail and Webster? Did you like one significantly more than the other? Or are they pretty much close? Uh, just talk a little bit quickly about that comparison.
2: Trail's a better player than Webster, no question. Webster, I don't think, was active for most. I told you last year, Webster was a sixth, seventh-round pick. He got overdrafted. team failed for the, for the Shrine game, and that's what people got to quit doing. Everybody sees a good performance out of a player and thinks that that means they're great. Not every player at the Senior Bowl is a top 125 pick. Not every player at the Shrine is a top 175 pick. Not you know, not every player at the NSLPA is a PFA or draftable. So when someone just totally kills a guy in one of these games, don't overvalue that. You know what I'm saying? People thought that, that Webster was that great. I think yeah, Webster's a little better athlete in terms of like, you know, the the flex of deflection and all that. I know he's not as stiff as as Trell and he could drop back into covers, but bottom line is Trell's a much better defensive end. He's stronger than, than uh Webster was and I, I actually believe Trail will be on the active 46th man every week next year in the NFL, whereas Web, uh, Webster was a guy that was inactive for, I think, either all the year or much of the year. So um, I, I think Trail is definitely better than Webster. And, and and I and, and, you know, honestly, I probably should list him as a 3-4 just because Webster went in the fourth, but, but I don't think Webster was really a fourth. Most teams had him in the sixth, and that's where he should have gone. So, um, that's that's why I have I have Webster. I mean I have Trail at the minimum I think he's a fifth round pick. I kind of went on the conservative end with him, so um yeah, I do think he's better than Webster, but he is comparable to Webster. I think Webster would probably make a better tight end than Trail would, but I think Trail makes a much better defensive end.
0: All right. That lead us into number seven on your board.
2: This is where the
0: drop off a little bit, but
2: this player's pretty good at as from the first wave of combine invites, he's the first one on this board that does not have a that did not have a combine invite. So if he does, he got it today. Um, and that's Vernon Johnson, the receiver at Texas A&M Commerce. He's five eleven, one eighty eight. He's gonna run in the four fours, maybe high four threes. He's quick. He's shifty. Um, he's got good hands. Uh, big play guy. Um, he can burn you. He can take a ten yard pass and turn it into sixty yards in a heartbeat. So. Um, I, I think his skill set and everything, like say, if he was he was bigger, because he's only 5'11", 188, if he was 6'2", he'd probably be in the fourth round instead of the fifth, sixth round. So he's one of those that's real close to being in that tier two on here um, or in that first, you know, six guys that I see as starters. To me, he's probably a number four receiver in the NFL, but he'd be a pretty good number four. And he could develop into a starter just depend on, I think, for him, route running. um because he didn't do a ton of the route tree at Commerce. He did a lot of go-routes, did a lot of that. So I think he's got development to do, but he's a guy who could develop into a starter within a couple of years.
1: Well, Josh, let me ask you to to kind of compare him to some of the other wide, small-school wide receivers that you have, because I feel like some of your top guys, we've seen them take some different paths in this offseason. We already talked about Desmond Lewis, who's bigger, went to the Senior Bowl. Uh, Vernon Johnson, I'm I'm assuming most of our listeners out there haven't watched Texas A&M Commerce at this point. Uh, So the smaller guy went to to the NFLPA game. And then uh, another player that I think got a lot of buzz in the, the Shrine game was Trey McBride who's outside of your top ten. Can you kind of com- compare those three guys? How does Johnson compare to them? How close is he to Lewis? Is McBride in that conversation at all? Uh and maybe kind of break down the top of your wide receivers a little bit.
2: Yeah, Lewis gets the the number one because he's bigger kid. Vernon Johnson's the faster of all those guys. He's the uh at, at Johnson and McBride um are about the same speed. Probably, uh, I think Johnson's more of a playmaker, more of a consistent playmaker. There were games where Trey McBride did absolutely nothing at William and Mary, and then there were games where he dominated. But he didn't do it for an entire game; he did it for parts of a game. So I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I took I took off the field a little bit in consideration, personality, and all those things. When you get a guy that runs a four four forty or sub four four. And he only averaged 12.6 yards of catch in McBride, and he only had four touchdowns at Weeman Mary. That to me is a slight flag. I bump a guy like that down a little bit because it's it, you know when you got that type of talent, it's hard, and Weeman Mary's always had pretty solid quarterback play. It's hard to believe a guy like that only has that many yards. And, and you know you look too. He went his junior year. Um, you could have said he was better you know, or just as good. I mean, he had five touchdowns as a junior and he averaged 12.7, which I know is barely better, but I'm just saying he really didn't take that next step from his junior to senior year. Is he a guy that's tapped out and all he is is just extremely fast, or is he a guy that's still getting better? You know, that was the other thing. I think with Johnson, he was a JUCO guy. He comes in. You see, you know, he's the receiver of the year and the Lone Star for two straight years. As you see, he's the best best receiver in that conference. Desmond Lewis is a guy that progresses. Um, McBride was a guy that I had in that late rounds all along, and he just never really took that step, didn't show out of the East-West Shrine. Um, you know, I, a lot of people think he plays more like a high 4-4, low 4-5 guy than the 4-4-2, 4-4-0 that he's been clocked at before. So, that was part of it. Just knowing that you know he hasn't quite had the development that maybe the other two have had. So I'm kind of seeing, well, maybe these other two guys are, you know, are gonna are gonna be a little bit better pros, uh, and, and maybe McBride's kind of tapped out. Which you wouldn't think that because of the speed, but again, he hasn't really you haven't really seen him ever take that big step and go from being a good receiver to a great receiver.
1: And then the one more question on Johnson, for me, when you when I see, after last year, when I see a wide receiver that's under six feet, that, that's under 190 pounds, and, you know, you look to, to one of the top small-score receivers last year and John Brown, who was 5'10", 179, ended up going... In the top 100, um, kind of compare Vernon Johnson to, to to John Brown. Do they have similar types of games? Where you think uh, Johnson could, could is, is he is he that fast, or is Johnson more of an all-around player, going to go a little bit lower?
2: Uh, Johnson is about a step slower, and he's not a return man like John Brown was. That's the difference. If Johnson was an All-American return man and a step faster, I'd have him in the third round too.
1: All right. Uh, Do do you want to move on to your number eight player for us, Josh?
2: Yeah, this is where it starts to get kind of tough. You could could have probably gone with um, Trey McBride. You could have gone with several guys here. I I went with uh, Zach Zinner, the running back at South Dakota State. Um, He's (laughs) been dominant his entire career. I mean, he's been a... Uh AFC All American for AFCA All American for three straight years, ran for over two thousand yards this year, averaged six yards a carry, twenty two touchdowns. He's good you know, got good hands, good receiver of the backfield. You watch him against, you know, teams like Nebraska and some of the FBS teams he played against, and that was why he got the bump here. It's just outstanding play against FBS competition and, and, and he certainly did that. So I think um you get a really good all around back here. He's a big back, you know, he's five 11 and a half, So you certainly know that he's got the the size to take the wear and tear in the NFL. So I, I think he'd be a real good number two. A guy that could come in, and catch passes out the backfield, will be a workhorse fact for you. And, you know, you could ride him for a whole series if you had to.
0: Well, Josh, you mentioned Zenner, just incredibly productive, but also. Uh, uh, is probably as good tangibles wise as any prospect in this draft. I think that would probably be fair to say. Can you maybe talk a little bit about his accomplishments off the field? I mean, this is a, a really intelligent, impressive young man. Yeah, you
2: know, everybody, when you talk to everybody in South Dakota State, they rave about Zach Zinner. You know, I mean, he's a guy that, that they say they want your – you want your daughter to date a guy like him. Um, you know, and I, that's probably tough for a lot of men to say that they would want their daughter to date anyone. But, um, you know, I mean, he was, uh, you know, in high school, you know, he was Mr. Football in Minnesota. So, I mean, he was very talented back then. Um, you know, there's no question about that. You know, he's a guy that even in his high school days, he just was, un- you know, overlooked because of where he was coming from but um but uh you know he's an extremely smart guy he's a two-time academic all-american well three-time i think he was again this year um team captain um you know so you know he's one of those guys that just he has everything you look know, for off the field he you p- you put the c on his chest and, and you know he's a guy you know is going to show up every day do the right thing and, and won't let you down so he's just you know the all-american kid that everybody you know everybody would and willing to have their sister or daughter date, and, and again, the player that every coach you know wants to have guys like that in their locker
0: room. Well, and he was a, a biology pre med major, just under a 4.0 GPA. He's already been accepted into med school. Uh, the last question I have for you on Zenner is I mean, such an accomplished kid off the field, football aside, do you think that will work? In his favor, or maybe even against him, because he is such a a well rounded human being that maybe he'll look, maybe he won't be as devoted to the game as, as some others. Do you think that's a concern with Zenner, or is it just all good because he's such an exemplary person?
2: I mean, I don't think it would work against him, but I will say this: if he got to the NFL and you know he got hurt, I could see him saying, "Look." you know, torn you know, torn an ACL, I'm all beaten up and done this and that, you know, I'm I'm worn down. bad. I could see him retiring in year three just because he says, Hey, I don't need to kill my body for three or four more years. I could save my body and, and, and go into the workforce but, you know, I think he wants to play football and I think he'll give it all he's got. I mean unless unless he physically can't do it, I don't see him just walking away just because he's a you know accomplished off the field. I think he just is one of those few guys who did a smart job of making sure that he was he was covered, you know, in terms of if the NFL didn't work out, that he was covered off the field too. Which I'd like to see more guys take the approach he has, because um, he's certainly, he certainly, you know, you know, he's he's in good shape. I mean, if he, like I said, you know, if he doesn't, if the NFL didn't work out, or if injury ended his career this year, he could retire and go make good money, at another job, and not have to worry about anything.
0: Well, let's transition from one half, one extremely smart halfback to another, uh, and, and you can unveil number nine on your list, a guy who I think probably made a, a positive impression at the Senior Bowl, and I know he moved up my rankings. I have a feeling he moved up yours too.
2: Yeah, because I had him more as a late-round PFA guy, Tyler Bargett. Yale. He um, has a little juice to him. I had him as a 4'6 guy. He might be a mid-to-low 4'5 four, four, uh, four, guy, 5'10 uh, and a quarter, 227. He's a Canadian um, it's funny, uh, NFL draft stock went up and CFL draft stock went down uh, because the, the more highly sought after you are by the NFL, the less sought after you are by the CFL because they know they won't get you. Um, interesting uh, tidbit on him. He went to another school, leaving in Canada, for one year. He was supposed to be a junior this year. So he was on no list in the preseason for me. He was not on my list. He was in my junior rankings and uh, had to move him uh, early in the fall, had to move him because it uh, turned out that he got denied that year. So um ended up being a senior this year and had a heck of a year. Not an outstanding pass catcher, but adequate enough, but just a really tough, hard-nosed runner, you know, runs through tackles, you know, will, will you know, get good yards after contact, just a, just a real good, solid football player, not an extremely flashy, quick twitch, You know, uh, you know, guy that's going to, be like David Johnson and be an outstanding receiver for you, but just a really good hard nosed runner who, um, if he stays healthy, because he did miss a little time in in 2013, he only played six games. But if he stays healthy, he's a guy that, you know, he's a workhorse running back. I mean, he he could do it for you, and he, he certainly, you know, 1400 yards, six yards of carry, 22 touchdowns as a senior at Yale. Um, you know, uh, I, I tell you what my big bit that he lost that year because he's coming out uh you know on a good you know, coming out as a hot prospect, coming out with a lot of juice right now. Uh, so I think he's a guy that probably, you know, is a number two number probably a really solid number two running back in the NFL.
0: Well and, and going into the senior bowl I had Varga ranked as one of my top fullbacks for the 2015 NFL draft, but like you, I, I was surprised he showed a little bit more burst during those Senior Bowl practices than I, than I expected. Also, by all accounts, one of the most impressive physical specimens at this year's Senior Bowl, a guy who really just has a, a chiseled physique, but uh, I guess my big question for you, Josh, what type of role do you envision for Tyler Vard at the next level? Do you see a running back? Do you see a fullback? Do you see a hybrid role? Where does he end up?
2: I think he's a running back, because i uh, I think he's just—he's going to be one of those change of pace running backs. I think that he's a much better player than Rex Burkhead. He's gotten some running back reps in the NFL, so um, I think he's a solid—a solid number two running back, especially if he run, you know, four fives like he looked like he'd run at least at the senior bowl. I mean, he looked faster at the senior bowl than he did in the three yell tapes I saw. So um, if he can run that fast on, on any given day and run, you know, and I would, you know, you would say, well. He ran at the combine. He didn't have pads on. He's just slower in pads. I mean, he ran fast in pads at the at the finger bowl. So looks like whatever he's been doing, you know, I wonder too if he's still developing because he came from Canada, didn't have quite the the youth football experience that we have here. And I think that maybe he's just a little bit of a late bloomer in that regard and and still developing, still getting a little faster. So which could make him a guy that maybe moves up a little bit. Maybe instead of the fifth, sixth round, maybe he ends up in the top of the fifth or the bottom of the fourth is someone you know kind of feels like that hey you know this guy's still getting faster still getting better maybe they reach a little bit
0: yeah kind of kind of an interesting evaluation uh on varga here these next few months leading into the draft but uh let's go into your number 10 prospect small school prospect for the 2015 NFL draft and, and then we'll get into some some other areas but uh introduce us to number 10 and talk about him a little bit
2: This one could have gone to one of two guys. I was uh, looking at Deontay Saunders, Tennessee State, and Kyle Emanuel at North Dakota State. I went Saunders just barely. I I have these guys at the top of the sixth round. Um, Saunders uh, partly because I think he's a very good nickel corner. Uh, He's only 5'9", 185. So you look and say, well, Josh, you're ranking him a little high because here's the thing, though. I think he's a nickel corner in the NFL. I know he doesn't have great size, but tell you what, he's a ball hawk. When he gets the ball, he's just just as likely to take it to the house as, as he is um, on on any pick. You know, when, uh last two years he's been really good for, good for Tennessee State. He's had nine picks, uh, even with people throwing away from him as a senior. Um, he's a very good return specialist too. Um, had a punt return for a touchdown this year. Uh, last year, you know, he was kick and punt returns as well. He's a Florida transfer, he's a big time talent uh I think you know when when you get a guy like this, depending on what he runs, he runs in the four fours I'm gonna leave him where he is in with a six round projection now if he runs in the mid to high four fives I'm gonna drop him to the seven p f a seventh round type thing, but um he's one of those guys you know I tell you what a five nine one eighty five he's he's got a lot of uh, he's dynamic, he's fast, he's got a lot you know some wiggle to him, he's got a lot of ability, he's a great ball hockey really good change of direction skills, so I think too so, you know plus there's a lot of good five nine you know five ten corners in the n f l and I think he could be a really really solid number three corner um you know w- you know with time, you know like I say he's one eighty five so he's not not very very thin for his size i mean for five nine he's he's got a good build on so uh,
1: well, let me ask you you talk about being a nickel corner um how, how is he in some of the other parts of this game? He's a ball hawk. Can can he tackle? Is that going to be one of the drawbacks to him is having him on the field in nickel situations and running backs running at him, or is he kind of one of these smaller, tougher, will get up in your grill and tackle you type of players too?
2: I mean, yeah, he will tackle, but I will tell you what, man, he's got some he's got some ups to him. He was playing the edge in the NFLPA game, playing out there on the. Out there in an island, he shut down his side of the field. The two times they threw to him, he broke up the pass. I mean, so he's got really good ball skills, can cut from man to man real well. The only reason I say nickels, a lot of people are going to bump him in because you got receivers like Desmond Lewis on the outside. But I tell you what, you know, if you can find what if you know if there's a five eleven receiver lining up on the edge, you know, out there in the in the at the flanker. I'll send him out there. You know, I'm going to put him on the fast, quick receiver and let him shut him down because that's something that Saunders did a lot at Tennessee State. He did it at the NFLPA too. I mean, he, any of those smaller receivers, he completely shut them down. He held his own with some of the bigger receivers too. You know, like I said, I mean, if he was 5'11 or 6 foot, I mean, he'd probably be in the third, fourth round instead of the sixth round. So, I mean, his height, that's, that's the one thing holding him back because as far as the cover corner, he's got everything you're looking for. You know, I mean, he can run with people. He stays right on the hip of guys, plays the ball real well, jumps up, you know, times it. Got good ball skills. I mean, he can do all of that. So you can see why Florida, you know, signed him out of high school. He's, you know, you start to look at this class. Florida may have more uh, small uh, draft prospects that are at small schools, and there's two uh, got seniors coming from their own schools. So because um, he he's not the only one. You got Trell out I think there's a couple of others that were Florida transfers over some stuff that happened a few years ago. So. Um that's uh you know I mean he's a very talented player was a high, highly coveted recruit you know and and everybody knew he was five nine then so uh, that that tells you a lot about him when Florida wanted him really badly, even though he was just five nine and he plays taller than that too, you know he, he like I say, he can really jump, it wouldn't surprise me if he had a thirty thirty eight inch thirty nine inch vertical.
0: Well, and, and that wraps up your top ten, and of course we could keep going further, but let, let's jump into like some miscellaneous questions now. And I wanted to start with who you thought was overrated underrated, and underrated, and I think the first part of that is definitely stands out because I guarantee you, Josh, anybody who's listening to this now, any diehard draft Nick, they're all thinking the same thing, and that is, where's Harvard's Zach Hodges? Uh, by all accounts, Zach Hodges is one of the more talented small school prospects, in this class, you see a lot of people have him in the top 100 thinking he's going to go with second, third round. You have him all the way down as your number 30 small school prospect. Uh, talk a little bit about Hodges and why maybe your opinion uh, differs so uh, so much from maybe the, the general consensus that's out there.
2: Yeah, you know, part of some of this too was to, and I'm not saying he was one, but some of the stuff I did here was kind of setting up for risers and fallers because I didn't want to put someone in the fourth round and then have to drop them down to the sixth because there's a few guys that I have that I could see. You know, he's not one of them necessarily, but there's a few that I can move. He's actually one that falls way out of the draft. I don't think he goes higher than the sixth or seventh round. There's issues there. I don't want to get into them, but he will not be drafted by some teams. There are some teams who have him on the do-not-draft list. Now, when you talk to him, He's a good kid. He's smart. There's nothing like that. But some teams are just not going to touch him, period. Some will because he's got some pass rush ability. got lent to him. He's athletic. He can run. But, you know, when you watch him, too, in the senior bowl, he's not a freak talent. He's not very good against the run. I could point out three or four games at, at Harvard this year where he did absolutely nothing in the game. You didn't even know he was playing. You know, he he's he's. Very weak. He's got to get a lot stronger. I think based on his skill set, he's a he's an outside backer, you know, because he doesn't have the bulk or the strength to play the run. Uh, a couple times in the Senior Bowl, and he did it at Harvard too, you know, miss tackles, uh, you know, you know, get a hand on a guy, but couldn't finish a guy. He doesn't have that that great strength to finish a lot of those plays, especially against big runners, uh, thick strong runners. Um, you know, I know he was he had an injury in the Senior Bowl, but he got to go to Harvard this year. Was he hurt all year? You know, uh, you you watch him, and and their deficiencies in his game are on the field. Concerns off the field. Um, He will not be a top 100 pick. There is no way I can guarantee you that. That's not going to happen. And if he does get drafted, it would be late rounds. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I would be surprised if he is drafted. Um, I really would. Um, I like Zach a lot, but I just I don't think he will get drafted. I really don't. Um, and, And and I would not draft him but I would sign him as a free agent in a heartbeat depending on what, what scheme I ran. But, um, but I, I, I'm not going to invest a guaranteed draft pick in him. I, I'd want him to come in as an undrafted free agent. Um, you know, I'm just not one that likes to, to, to have to spend a lot of maintenance, a lot of time babysitting guys. And, and there's, you're going to have to babysit him and stay on him. So, um, that's just not something that I want to get into. So I, I did pump him for that. If, if not for that, I would have probably had him in the fifth or sixth round. But to me, he's still not a top one. Well, probably fifth round. He's still not a top 100 guy. And without the off the field, he probably would have been seventh behind trail. So which probably bottom of the fifth, top of the sixth.
0: Well, so – Give us one other player that, that you would consider overrated, maybe somebody that gets a lot of headlines or that you see being projected really early that, that you're not as high on or you don't think is going to come off the board quite that early.
2: Um, he got a combine invite in the first wave, Edmund Robinson and Newberry. I don't think he'll make it in the National Football League very long, and if he does, I think he's a fringe roster guy. I think he's probably going to make a practice squad or might make a 53 man, but he's a guy that probably won't be active. He'll probably be like Larry. Honestly, what I think is going to happen with Evan Robinson, I think now that I think about it, the light just came on. He's going to be like Larry Webster. He's going to get overdrafted, but we're talking about a guy that played, at, played out of place in their system at Newberry. He had very poor numbers for a guy that six three two fifty one. 251, and going to run a 4'5", or a 4'6", and the 40. He plays more like a high six guy than a sub 4'5 at any time in his junior day. You know, uh, I don't think he's got that killer instinct. He doesn't diagnose plays very well, and there are times in games where you don't even know he's on the football field for an entire half. So, um, you know, I, I think he's going to definitely get drafted, but I, I didn't put him in the draft, and I, I won't put him in the draft. It just I don't think he's a consistent enough player he flashed a couple plays at the shrine but you know he he still doesn't show it for me every you know, day in, day out. There's some things there with him too that, that cause him to fall a little bit further than he should because the talent, he's a third or fourth round in terms of physical skill set talent. And I will tell you this, I let me be the first one to say this. He's gonna light up Indianapolis. I mean he's gonna be a thirty seven, thirty eight inch vertical at that size. He's gonna run a four five, four six and a forty. He's gonna He's gonna. I mean, he's gonna be a test freak. I mean, I'm gonna warn you. So, um, watch out for him. He might move up a little bit just once he does all that. If he does what I think, but still not gonna uh, put him in the draft, whether drafted or not. I'm gonna leave him out of there or no higher than seven FA. And because, um, and, uh, like I say, I think he's a developmental guy that really needs to be on a practice squad instead of an active roster.
1: Let's go the other way and let me get an underrated player from you, maybe someone that you're higher on, Josh, that NFL teams could be overlooking a little bit or someone that you think could could maybe move up your list in, in the future. Who's who's one major underrated player for you?
2: I'm going to say three quick ones just because they all could move up for the same reason. Well, One, I'm going to say Matt Huffer, South Dakota. He's big. He can move. He's athletic. A lot of people don't don't know about him, but Huffer's a pretty good player. The other one, Nick Easton, the center at Harvard. He can play all three interior positions. He's extremely smart. He's athletic. He can move. He can pull. He can get to the second level. just doesn't have a very good body. You want him to keep his shirt on. No offense, Nick, because I, I left him to death. Um, and the other one i will say is Malcolm Agnew. Agnew was a guy, you know, real impressive. The NFL PA game, probably the best running back there um, I don't know if he has a combine in but but five nine, two oh five, he's probably got 4. four speed and he is a rocked up two oh five. I mean he you can tell he spends time in the weight room. So those would be three guys that I would say are either undrafted or seventh round that I think will be a lot better pros than where they're they're uh where they get picked.
1: Uh, let me ask you about one other guy that I think is on your underrated list that, that interested me in, in, uh, in the NFLPA game was Westchester cornerback Alhaj Shabazz. I was uh, impressed with him. Maybe you could talk about him a little bit. Is he a player that could move up into that seventh round and priority free agent uh, grade and, and kind of what's his strengths and weaknesses?
2: I don't think I'm going to move them up, and that's why I didn't mention him because he's one of two or three guys that I really I, I think that I'm going to leave them exactly where I have them, but I really like their value there and think that they'll be good ones. Um, Shabazz needs a lot of work. He's a developmental guy, but he's 6'202", got long arms, um, he can play special teams for you, has good ball skills. The two questions for him is, one, he, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's very raw in his technique and in his reading of coverages, I mean, his reading of routes. Um, the other one is I'm not sure exactly how fast he is. He will only move up if he runs like high four four, low four five. But a lot of people think he's a four six or a high four five guy, which is why I have him there.
0: Hey Josh, we just wrapped up the All Star Games, and we've alluded to him throughout the, the Senior Bowl, East West Shrine Game, NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Uh, the the, the All Star Games are all wrapped up can you maybe give us one or two of the biggest winners and maybe one or two of the biggest losers from the all-star game circuit this year from the small school ranks?
2: Yeah, I think, I think losers, um, you know, Robinson had a real good chance in Eber to go to the shrine and really open eyes with what he can do. And he didn't do it. I think he didn't take advantage of his opportunity. Um, but, you know, as far as you know, losers, there's not many of them. I think uh, Kevin Rogers at Henderson State went in the middle of honor bowl, really showed the, bad arm that we all kind of thought he had. Showed he's really more of a camp body. Had a bad game, same thing. Brian Bennett, southeastern Louisiana struggled too uh he struggled at the senior bowl. Um uh, so I would put those guys in there. As far as winners, um I would say that there's really uh, uh four guys that I thought won big at their games. I think Allie Marpet put himself to me from a seventh PFA type of guy to a fifth, six six-round, six-round type of guy. I think I got him in the late sixth right now. Um, and then and he, depending on what he does at the combine, he could really be one of those who throws a little bit at the senior bowl and rises again if he puts up good workout numbers at Indy because he could be a maybe a fourth or fifth-round pick down the line. He's one of those. Um, I'll also mention, too, I think a couple of other risers. I think Antoine Everett at McNeese State, a lot of people don't know about him. They don't realize how good he is. Turn on the Nebraska tape. He was the best offensive lineman on the field that day, and that includes Nebraska. He just dominated them early in the year. um, The left tackle, they're going to kick him in the guard center. And I think Varga, yeah, he was a big winner too. I think Varga came and really showed that he's got a little more juice than people thought he did.
0: Well, and the answer to this question might be somebody you've already talked about, but it, and, and we went through your, your top 10 kind of in detail, but is there somebody beyond that top 10 that you could see maybe really shooting up draft boards the final few months here before the draft? Who, who would be your pick for a potential fast riser?
2: I think that there's three out there, really, that could really rise fast. And I mean that. I think Dean Marlowe at James Madison, I have him in the seventh, but he could maybe go in, like, the fifth round. Um, He's a guy that has a a really good skill set. He's long, he's athletic, he can run, he has the movement skills. They limited him a little bit at James Madison in terms of what they asked him to do, but he did what they asked him to do very well. He can do a lot more than they asked him to do. The other is Dontell Luckett from Harding. He was a senior bowl player. Um, Luckett was in an auction offense. A lot of people didn't see him, but I'm going to tell you what, he's he's a great blocker. I don't know if Hardy's put his highlights up yet, but, man, they need to because when you watch him in full game, sometimes he doesn't get any catches or only gets one or two, but he'll have three, four, five devastating blocks in one game. Outstanding block and receiver at six foot 206. Um, I think depending on what he runs, he may be vaults from seventh round, high PFA to maybe a a six-round type of guy potentially. Maybe even a late fifth. Um, so like I say, I think I told you before. I have a lot of guys that I've just got them kind of in a cluster, and and going to let the combine and pro days kind of kind of separate guys and play it out a little bit. I mean, so these these rankings will change a good bit. The the other one, the, the other, well, there's two others really besides those two. Uh, I think Zach Wagnerman at Montana is going to test pretty well, and he's a high motor guy, great character. I think he he could move up higher than the sixth seventh round. He could maybe be a fifth rounder, um, and then. Ali Market of Hobart. I think I have him as a six-seven right now. He can possibly move up and be a, a, a four-five or a five, because um, he's got a lot of potential. I think he's a developmental guy, but if he tests what he should at Indy, you know, he might run a four-nine or like four, a five-flat, and, um, and that would that would really, you know, I think somebody would, you know, want to take him in the sixth round, but I think they might take him in the fourth or fifth just because. Um, it's tough to find linemen with that athleticism that are smart enough to like Easton, he's very smart, he can play a lot of positions So,
0: Well and, and before we close things out I want to give you an opportunity, we've covered a lot of ground we talked a lot about a lot of players but is, is there anybody that we haven't talked about that, that you're like, oh I wish we could have got to him I, I want to give you one final chance to maybe drop a, a name or two that, that maybe you're high on that we haven't covered yet that, that you think people should know about
2: Mm-hmm. There's a. I tell you a couple guys to keep an eye on. One is um, uh, the receiver at Northern Arizona, Effie Umodu, 6'1.5", 6'2", 2'15". Probably got to run high four fives, but I'm going to tell you what, you look at him, he's body beautiful. He's a big, strong kid. Um, made a lot of plays for Northern Arizona this year, finally. Um, you know, really made an impact for them. Uh, he's a guy that's really not well-known because he didn't even play in 2013 because of injury. Um, but he's a basketball guy. Uh so he, he's a, he's a guy that may test very well, may even test better than what I had him at. And he, like I say, he really looks the part. Um I you know, I would also keep an eye on uh you know, Jake Rogers at Eastern Washington. I, I don't think he'll be more than a sixth or seventh round pick. And even if he goes undrafted, yeah, I think he could be a Ryan Schrader. I think he he and Ryan Schrader are both two guys that are PFAs or seventh round type guys in terms of where they would project on draft day for teams. But I, I think he'll play for a while in this league. So I would keep an eye on him. And, and I, you know, Ricky Collins at Texas A&M Commerce, his numbers almost matched uh, Vernon Johnson. So there's some people that dropped Vernon Johnson on their board because they thought he wasn't as good because of what Ricky did. But Ricky's an outstanding talent, too. So he'd, he'd be one to keep an eye on. Who well, I don't think going to the combine, but could potentially light up, uh, light up a pro day. So he's not gonna be a blazer in the forty bouts and kill he'll have a good all around pro day
0: and at least make him a highly coveted party for agents. Well, Josh, awesome stuff as always. I mean we could, we could go for three hours here and still not uh, even touch the tip of the iceberg. I mean you have eight hundred players in your rankings, just a, a incredible uh with the small school. Um and, and and like you said, we're still somewhat early in the process here. We still have the the scouting combine come up. We have the pro day workouts, so uh we should check in and do another show like this, maybe in early April after all of the workouts are wrapped up and and maybe your boards come a little bit more into focus and uh, and once we get a little bit more of the information. But uh, Josh, always thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. We love talking draft. Uh, for those who don't already, you can follow him on Twitter at Josh NFL Draft. So do that uh josh anything else to promote before you go no i mean i
2: was a consultant for the NFLPA this year uh, i thought it went real well um you know i i'll invite you in any in, in any major media outlet come come see the game I, I don't think there's a better venue better better facilities to go see i mean honestly it's the only game that you don't have to worry about practices are being canceled due to weather um and it's played in the biggest <laughs> stadium of any game so uh you know i would say that if you haven't gotten to go to go to long beach it's a good place to go um if it's 75 degrees in on january 12th i want you know you can only imagine what it's like in june and july so um you know i would say that just you know i think that uh you know say i say I, they couldn't they, they did not allow me to, to talk prospects until the all-star games were done but um you know, it was worth it. I enjoyed doing it, and, and I don't mind keeping my mouth shut until until the end of January um, to do it. So, um, but no, I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, I'll come back anytime.
0: Oh, it was our pleasure. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks a
2: lot, guys. All
0: right, take care. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Awesome. And Shane, just to kind of wrap up quickly here, there's so much information. I, I mean, Josh is just a, a an incredible resource. Uh, and nobody, and I truly mean that nobody covers the small schools as well as Josh Buchanan. So I uh, appreciate having him. He's been a good friend for many years now, but with all that information to digest Shane, is there something that stood out above the rest for you? Something he said, whether it be a player ranked high, low, what's, what's what's the biggest takeaway for you from talking to Josh for the last hour plus?
1: <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like there's so much, uh, you know, I,
0: I, I I feel like the Dave, David Johnson
1: potentially playing wide receiver is really interesting to me with, with his size and what he can do. And um, I also look at Zach Hodges. I think that was an insightful conversation um, when you mentioned, Scott, that a lot of people have him in the top 100 and he's going to go really high and Josh has him pretty low and maybe there's some teams that have him off the board uh, that, that just kind of alluded to. So uh, I think it's it's just interesting to keep in mind. That, that not everything uh, you hear out there is exactly right. We still have a lot of time. Things move up and down. But um, Josh really bringing it for what positions some of these players are going to play, like Johnson and Lyndon Trail, and then uh, that some, some of these players could be a little bit overrated in terms of public perception was really interesting.
0: Well, and I always say that the place where we're at the biggest disadvantage, Shane, is we don't necessarily have access to talk to every one of these players, to, to dig deep into their backgrounds, to see the medical records. And usually when a guy that everyone expects to go early slides a lot on draft day it's because there's some unknown character or health issue there that that we just aren't privy to so uh it was it was nice to kind of get that insight from josh on zach hodges of harvard uh maybe get a little uh a little head start in the process here and and to maybe adjust our draft boards accordingly because it appears there are some concerns there so so that's definitely the biggest takeaway for me and uh uh but just just the absolute wealth of information so uh like i said if you don't follow him on twitter already do so it's josh nfl draft you can follow me on twitter at draft countdown and shane is of course at shane p hell so with that we're going to call it a show we want to thank everybody so much for tuning in we really appreciate it and as of right now there are 92 days 21 hours 33 minutes and 47 seconds left until the 2015 nfl draft tick tock